Hey, Ken. Knock, knock. Who's there? Christians for Bernie Sanders. We'd like to help you register to vote. Now what do you say, Christian? No. Calvinism is much false doctrine as a woman preacher. Well, of course, in fundamentalism, you define everything as a gospel issue. This is a true mark of Christian maturity to discern the difference of issues. I got an idea. Let's not run with anybody who thinks they got another idea. There's a lot of different understandings of what the days are in Genesis 1 and to what degree evolution was part of how God created things. I have disagreements with him in some areas, but those are adiaphora, those are side issues, many important issues. So many Bible doctrines are ruined when we use the wrong words. This is why it's so critical that we use only the King James Bible. You gotta have that right or get out of here. Pray God that I don't take every minor thing and make a major thing out of it. Nothing divides like truth. I respect them as brothers in the Lord with whom I have some strong differences, but they have a big problem with me. Is there a way that we can work together? I think fundamentally we have to say yes. Christians can disagree and still kick it. All right, welcome back to Do Theology. And I was thinking as the intro was playing uh, after I made my little joke that we are recording this before Super Tuesday for the Democratic primary election. So who knows if (laughs) Bernie Sanders is still relevant uh, at the time you're listening to this. But um, the fact still remains. Christians for Bernie Sanders, uh, could there be such a thing? I'm sure there are uh, some people that would say yes, but... Is Is that a matter of conscience? I suppose it depends upon what uh, what the uh, principles are that stand behind all of that. My guess would be that there would be some serious violations of some primary <laughs> issues there. <laughs> yeah, maybe but, just a few. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we are going to be discussing conscience matters today. We're going to be discussing what the New King James Version calls doubtful things in its translation of Romans 14, and we'll get to that here in a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you got going on in southern Indiana there, Kenneth? Well, we've actually we've actually just come off of a couple of weeks of uh, illness. Uh, all of us had, everybody in the household had these head colds, which complicates ministry life and various things, especially when you're supposed to host stuff at your house. And don't want to get anyone else sick, so it's been it's been a little bit of an interesting couple of weeks. But we're on the mend, and I think we should be all good to go for Sunday. Good. Well, don't take your good health now and go show off all of your country's gold and silver to your enemies, like King Hezekiah did. I will make a note of that. Writing that down right now. <laughs> I was uh, just preparing for my Sunday school lesson and he was sick and he got better and then he started doing dumb stuff. So, you know, hashtag relevant. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) What do you got going on? Well, um, Sunday school prep, as I just mentioned, and not preaching this week, so that's helpful. But, um, But yeah, lots of studying and... It's been a pretty good week. Um, you know, tonight is pizza night again. So 
we record on Fridays and pizza night is Friday. So I guess I could say this every time we record, <laughs> but uh, looking forward to pizza night like I always do. And actually right now on my screen, I've got some spring training baseball going. We've got the Yukon Huskies playing against the scrubs of the scrubs of the Boston Red Sox. So it's the first official game of spring training, though they're not really baseball. Pl- I mean, they're baseball players, but yeah. Not I was going to ask, as you look through that lineup, did uh, did you recognize any names at all? Well, the the guy who just batted um, and grounded out on a slow roller to second, he was number 79. I didn't see his name, but I saw that in last season, he played 100 games between single A and double A and oh, no. 199. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we're not, we're not watching an all-star game here. So. No, not by any means. But by the time this airs, we should be in the full throes of the regular season. So, Yes, and we'll really have to watch ourselves about how much we talk about baseball. Yeah. Yes, we will. Okay, well, let's talk about doubtful things. We've covered primary doctrine and secondary doctrine the last four episodes. And again, I know as a listener of podcasts, I don't like hearing this, so you might not like hearing this, but you need to go back and listen to those just for the sake of understanding what we're covering here, the scope of what we're covering. If you're just hearing this episode, you're not really seeing the full picture and there's a pretty good chance you're going to misunderstand us and I don't want to be misunderstood. So um, I try my best to communicate clearly. I fail at that, but at least you can give me the benefit of uh, listening to all of our stuff here and kind of see where we're coming from. And we're going to start talking about this third column today, and we're going to start by defining what it means. Yeah, and once again, there will be a link in the description uh, with with the chart if you want to see what we're talking about. It'll be available for you, so just want to make that known. Um, But yep, uh, doubtful things is that third column. We talked about primary doctrine, issues which are definitional to Christianity, secondary doctrine, issues that... um, hermeneutical differences can lead people to different uh, directions, but it doesn't put your uh, faith in jeopardy. Uh, And then doubtful things, these are issues of conscience. These are issues um, that are more lifestyle issues rather than uh, doctrinal issues per se. Um, uh, But yeah, uh, on the chart, we have a definition, issues on which scripture leaves up to conscience. They sometimes affect the spiritual progress of others, so believers' actions should be adjusted accordingly. Yeah, and if we were going to tweak that definition a little bit to match the wording in the second column, um, you know, what, what you just read for the third column here is issues on which Scripture leaves up to conscience. For secondary doctrine, it's theological issues on which Scripture leaves up to hermeneutics, right? And uh, this one is personal issues, lifestyle issues on which scripture leaves up to a person's individual personal conscience. And we have no shortage of examples of that, do we? Oh, not at all. So, Yeah, and we will get into those examples on the next episode. Um, But there are a lot of things out there that you talk about and it's like, well, this really, this definitely isn't a primary issue. (laughs) This isn't definitional to the faith. This isn't something that a whole denomination is going to agree on and split over. Um, This is really just a personal matter. Uh, For instance, is it okay for a guy to 
smoke a pipe every now and then, you know, something like that. Okay. Well that, that doesn't have anything to do with, um, the gospel that doesn't have anything to do with, um, the, well, maybe some denominations, but, uh, by and large, most denominations aren't going to take a stand and publicly post that. It's just his up to his conscience on that because scripture just leaves it up to you. So, um, yeah, there are lots of things like that. And I think we should say too, that, um, while we say that these things are up to conscience, that doesn't mean that you are not seeking to make an informed decision on these issues, right? It's not just, it's not just, oh, just whatever you feel like. That's not what we're saying. You know, we, we want to be clear about that as well. And as we're going to get into and talk a lot about is the issue of wisdom and seeking to apply biblical principles as best as we can, but while recognizing that scripture doesn't necessarily speak specifically to these issues on an individual level. Uh, and to where we can, two people can apply biblical principles consistently and come to different conclusions based on their own conscience and wisdom. And neither one of them are wrong. Right. Neither one of them are right either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe we could say they're both right. You know? We'll talk about that more. The, the second part of the definition that you just read is that they, so these issues and the decisions we make on these issues sometimes affect the spiritual progress of others. And uh, that's just a, a fact, right? Um, we'll see pretty clearly in the passages today that that is a factor in all this. And so we have to adjust our actions, our behavior accordingly, because um, we're seeking to be wise and loving and service-oriented in all things. And that means... Sometimes sacrificing what we have the liberty to do in order to um, love on our brother or sister. Yep. This is the whole issue of stumbling block, as many people would be familiar with that phrase. So, yeah. Yeah. The principle is obey your God given conscience, don't cause others to stumble, and be wise. Um, scripture, though the scripture may not speak to whatever issue you're dealing with, Scripture speaks a lot to wisdom versus foolishness, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And yes. uh, and there's a mul there's there's great wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So um, as we live our lives, we need to seek advice from other believers. We need to pray and let God uh, shape and mold our conscience, and just be sensitive to whatever He's laid on our heart. And this is it kind of borders on uh, you know personal revelation because you know people can say, well. Well, you know, God told me that I can do this or do that. And we're not saying that, but what we're saying is that conscience that you have is God given. Yeah. And, and it's different from the person, the Christian standing next to you. So that's pretty wild stuff, but that's just the way it is. Yeah. And, and with that, I, I kind of hinted at it already, um, but I would almost, I don't know, I feel like I'm probably going to be saying this. I could, I could say this a lot, I suppose, <laughs> but the whole issue of this doesn't mean that nothing, not, nothing on this list matters, right? It doesn't matter that these things aren't important, right? These things, these things are important. And we do believe that these things do matter. In fact, as we, if, you know, as, especially in the next episode, when we begin to go into some of the specific things that would be in this list, uh, I think you and I probably have some pretty strong 
opinions and convictions about some of these things with how we're handling them for ourselves. And we would argue that we have biblical principles to back up our decisions, but then also recognizing because of the nature of things and because of as, as scripture has laid things out, that we are bound by scripture to not push that and force that on others. So, yes. And, uh, boy, balance, balance, balance. Yeah. I mean, if there, if we were to say that the second column is the most complex, which I would say it probably is because of the nature of hermeneutics and all mm -hmm. of that. Um, we could probably say that the third column is the most contentious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Tread lightly, my brother. Yeah. Especially oh. in, in, uh, in our circles, you know, with the, you know, we're in fundamentalist circles, you know, that's where we're at. So definitely, uh, definitely a lot of hot topics in there should be fun. Well, it's against my conscience to use the word fundamentalist. So, oh, okay. <laughs> but causing me to stumble. Sorry. <laughs> well, let's, let's jump into some scripture. We've got four or five passages we definitely want to look at here. And so uh, where, where should we start? I think the main passage for all this is Romans chapter 14. It's actually where this, uh, this concept of doubtful things, where that terminology comes from. Of course, that comes from the New King James Version. Um, other translations word it a little bit differently, um, but that's helpful uh, to try to get a grasp of uh, what, the, uh, what Paul was trying to communicate. Romans chapter 14, um, Paul is, is going to be dealing with the issue of passing judgment on one another, and there's the issue of, of meat sacrificed to idols and, and observing a day, etc., but he starts out that whole section with Romans 14, verse 1, As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions, is the ESV, is what it says. Of course, as the, uh, the New King James um, issues over, uh, this, do not fight over doubtful things, or um, let me pull up that. Yeah, it's, well, I've got the New King James here in front of me. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes Dispute. over doubtful things. There you go. Yeah, yeah. and then he, he goes on to give two examples. The first one, of course, is eating, vegetarianism versus non-vegetarianism. And then the second is um, basically um, holidays. What days are holy or um, what days are holier than other days? So those are the two items, two examples that Paul brings up, and we'll talk more about those next time. But what are the, the principles here, um, regardless of the example at hand? What are the principles that we can draw out of Romans 14? We got the principle of, you know, when, when it comes to, comes to conscience, and then as, as he's going to conclude this section, he's going to conclude it with uh, the issue of doubt and faith. And so it, he's going to conclude, but whoever, uh, this is Romans 14, 23, whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith, but whoever does not proceed for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Mm. Uh, so there's, there's a lot going on there with, with individual conscience and our own understanding of the actions that we're taking. Um, if scripture does not explicitly forbid an action, 
and it, if it does not command us in 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 this uh, this arena, we've we've got to be attuned to our own conscience in whether or not we partake in those things or not. And the implications are pretty wild. I mean, if our conscience is is leading us away from something and yet we go for it anyway, that is sin. Yes. Whereas our brother standing right next to us does the same thing, but if his conscience isn't saying, don't do it, then it's not sin. He's doing it from faith. Right. What? Yeah. <laughs> what about, the, wait, uh, sola scriptura, sufficiency of scripture. What, what, uh, come on now. How does this work? It can, it can get pretty hairy. Um, and then, and then there's those two brothers standing right next to each other. And the clear command to both of them is to not pass judgment on the other for their actions. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a great first conclusion that he makes in this. It's just verse four. Um, but he asked the question, who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Uh, so, you know, this is where we finally open up and agree with all those people who say, only God can judge me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if they're talking about this, then they are absolutely correct. Right. But again, this principle applies to things in this third column and we have to be use scripture and wisdom to discern what rightfully belongs in this third column because a lot of times people use that phrase only god can judge me but they're actually violating clear biblical commands in other areas that are not doubtful things that god has spoken yeah. directly to mm -hmm. uh, and so in those cases i'm sorry we, we we can be clear and we can stand on the authority of scripture um, but then when it comes to other things that, that Scripture does not speak directly to, that's where uh, this principle is applied. Right. Yep. Can I give an illustration from my own life? Sure. This might uh, expose a little bit of the, the fundamentalist culture a little bit. But uh, back in high school, um, my sister had a conviction in her own life where she believed it would be wrong for her to watch any movie rated PG-13 or above. Mm. That was a personal conscience conviction that she had. So she was convicted to not watch any good movies. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, I was annoyed at her conviction. And so I did things in such a way, I tried to convince her and I tried to push her and peer pressure her into watching movies mm. that by conscience she should not watch. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a couple of times where I even lied about what a movie was rated and mm. tried to get her to watch that movie with me. Uh, wow. What a servant though, full of love. Oh yeah. And so... <laughs> my my <laughs> so my sister was was trying to be obedient to her conscience as scripture commands right here in Romans 14 and she believed it was wrong for her to watch those movies and so she was trying to be obedient to that and i was trying to run roughshod right over that completely ignoring the very principles that we have here i myself was in sin trying to bring her into a place where she would be uh, doing something that she believed was wrong 
for her. Now she, and again, she believed this was wrong for her. She wasn't trying to put that standard upon me. So she was applying this principle faithfully. Yeah. I was not. Well, and, and I can speak um, as a husband married to um, someone whose conscience is stricter than mine, uh, that we've had to work through things because there are lots of things that I don't think is a big deal that she thinks is a big deal. And it is important to remember that we are saying that that conscience is God-given, um, that God is not hands-off regarding the conscience, but that for different purposes and reasons that God has, He molds us and shapes us differently in our personalities and in our consciences. And it's good to um, not only recognize that, but then to work with it and to um, use it for unity and not as a manipulative brother like you. Right. <laughs> so if I was applying the principle as I should have back in with my sister, I, I absolutely should uh, have honored her conscience and not tried to mm-hmm. manipulate her into doing what violated her conscience. Well, and, and going on, um, before we go on to the next passage, it's important too to recognize that here, um, in right here in the middle of all this discussion, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brings up the Christian's future judgment. In verse 10, he says, Why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And um, if that doesn't inspire you to live wisely in a way that's God-honoring, that's walking in a manner worthy of your calling, um, I don't know what will. Uh, The Mm -hmm. idea that we as Christians are going to stand before Christ's judgment seat and there's going to be, and we don't know the details of this, but there's going to be a level of giving account there. And that means we need to think through what we're doing and not just say, well, grace, 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 party, party, party. There's nothing else for us to think about because, um, you know, there's, there's no, uh, what's the word here? Um, what, what, what word am I trying to think of? There's no result. There's no, um, what happened? Consequence. That's the word. <laughs> <Okay>. Consequence. <laughs> Maybe someone listening to that was shouting it out loud as I was trying to think of it. Uh, there, you can't just think, well, there's no consequence, so we can do whatever we want. Well, that is not the way the New Testament presents the Christian's future. There is consequence. And if we were to go to 1 Corinthians 3 and exegete that passage about things being burned and what remains, yeah. oh my, that... We don't talk about that very often, do yeah. we? Yeah, and and there's also the issue of our, you know the, which this would open up a whole new discussion that maybe we can discuss on future episodes as well. The searing of the conscience, you know, and and mm-hmm. things that ought to bother us that that don't. Which of course that may not uh, fall into third column. Um, that's more on more clear clear issues in scripture, but it is yeah. possible to deaden our conscience to sear our conscience uh and that's we want to avoid that and and i think we're more in danger of the more we ignore our conscience on things that we say well this is this is a a doubtful thing this is a third column issue if we ignore our conscience on those issues and push past that 
what's to keep us from ignoring our conscience on things that scripture has clearly revealed is right, right and wrong in, in other areas. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's something that we want to be sensitive to. Yeah. Okay. We need to move a little quicker. What's the next passage we should look at? What do you think? Uh, we'll talk a little bit about first, uh, first Corinthians eight. Yeah. Meat sacrificed to idols, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, obviously it's easy to read through a passage like that and to think that the application's not there because every time someone preaches or teaches on this, you have to totally explain what's going on. Meat sacrificed to idols. I mean, that's just not something that is in our world day to day, but there's a principle there that of course is timeless uh, for each one of us. And so, yeah, let's get into that a little bit. First Corinthians eight. Um, yeah, the, well, it's a short chapter. It's only 13 verses. Um, but basically it says, the take care, verse nine, take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak, meaning mm-hmm. those who felt in their conscience like they had the liberty to eat meat from an animal that was put on an idol's altar, then sold at a market. Um, if someone feels like, hey, I can buy that and eat that hamburger, that's no big deal. Well, there are other people who don't feel like they can do that. So don't let your liberty become a stumbling block to them. Or if someone sees you who have knowledge, so he's saying, hey, look, that's you take a reasonable position. You have knowledge. If they see you dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? So basically, aren't you going to be playing with his conscience? And aren't you going to be encouraging him to do things that is against the state that God has put him in? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Mm-hmm. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. That's, that's heavy. <laughs> you know, that you sin against Christ. Your judge, the one... Man. Whose judgment seat you're going to stand in front of? Yep, that's that's heavy stuff right there. And so so many times, you know, when people talk about you know Christian liberty and um, you know they want to like, well, this is my right as a Christian, and I, this is I'm free to do this in Christ. And yeah, you might be, but that's really not the point of what Paul is getting at when it comes to Christian liberty. Mm-hmm. the The purpose of liberty is not to champion your rights because these are my rights. You know, these, this is my freedom in Christ. Well, the purpose of, of Christian liberty is to be willing to set aside that liberty for the sake of your brother. Yeah. Um, I mean, he says very clearly, food doesn't commend us to God, verse 8. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do eat. So, look, food is just food, right? And so, by having a conscience that allows us to eat something that other people's consciences don't allow them to eat, that doesn't make us any better off. Who are you to say, well, he shouldn't be infringing on my liberty because this food God allows me to eat. And so this is going to make me a better Christian by being able to exercise my conscience this way. Paul says, no, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) nothing makes you a better Christian, but faith in Christ and loving the people of God. And so 
make sure you consider food for what it is and consider unity with your brother for what it is. Yeah. Amen. Well, I don't think I have anything else to say on that passage. Okay. I, I, <laughs> I am, I, 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 I said it earlier and then again, that last, that phrase of verse 12, you sin against Christ when we, when we violate this, that is just, that just really, mm-hmm. it's heavy stuff, you know, and, and this issue of liberty, it's not for, it's not for me, it's for the sake of my brothers. You know, yeah, and, and so much of our conversation in this third column is, look, it's, you're not wrong or right if you do or don't, right? And, and that's, we made that point earlier, that's a totally legitimate point. But here we've looked at the at two of the maybe four main passages that speak of the third column, and both of them talk about sin. <laughs> both of them talk about how if you don't go about this the right way, you're sinning. And that, that should wake us up. Yeah. So, um, verse that I wanted to bring up, Galatians 5.13. And this is in the middle of a, I mean, there's a lot going on in Galatians and it's very, all very contextual, but there's a principle here that you can draw out even just hearing this verse in a vacuum. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Important. Yes. That, uh, we were called to freedom. We have freedom in Christ on all sorts of things that he has fulfilled the law on our behalf. Now take that freedom and don't serve yourself, but serve other people. That's why we have freedom. So we're, yeah. free, we're free to love. Right. Yep. Not, not for ourselves. It's for others. Amen. Amen. So as we look at those three passages, so there's there's three words that really kind of come to mind, and they're actually in our in the principle in the chart. Um, but the three words that that are that really jump out to me through these passages is first is the word conscience, right? And that's our paying attention to our own conscience and and what's you know what we think is right or wrong in a given situation. Uh, there's the issue of stumbling block which is the issue of serving and loving others and being willing to surrender our liberty for the sake of our brothers. And then there's the issue of wisdom, where we're seeking to apply biblical principles to our lives in such a way that's going to help us navigate different lifestyle choices that matter, for one, uh, and and has the potential to impact others for two. Um, so those, those are, those are some key concepts that kind of jump out to me as we look at some of those, those passages. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in that first Corinthians three passage that I mentioned earlier about, you know, it kind of gives us a, a snapshot a little bit of what will look like in the end at the Christian's future judgment and about how, well, I'll just read. Um, 1 Corinthians 3.13, each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, which is, (laughs) what does that mean, right? But he himself will be saved 
yet so as through fire. And then what comes right on the heels of that, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Let no one boast in men. Um, all things belong to you, uh, whether in life or death of the world to come, and you belong to Christ. It's important stuff. That, that'll mm-hmm. preach. Yeah. Amen. Um, I don't know if it's worth bringing up the, uh, the word uh, that t- a lot of times gets thrown around with this, these kinds of discussions. It's, it's a word that really, it, it really doesn't get used much outside of this kind of conversation. It's the word ideophria. I don't know if anybody has, is familiar with that word or not. But and it's in our intro too. Jeff Durbin yes. uh, says that in the intro. Yeah, where he says these things are side issues, they're adiaphria. Um, but that's a, that's a word that, that refers to um, things that, I mean, it's just everything that we've just been talking about. Um, uh, matters that are, they're not regarded, you know, if you were to Google the word adiaphria, you'd get the definition. In Christianity, adiaphria are matters not regarded as essential to faith, but nevertheless as permissible for Christians or allowed in church um, things that are neither expressly expressly commanded nor forbidden, right? So this is this whole area. Some people use the word gray issue, and I kind of don't like that uh, that phrase, the gray issues. Well, I don't because you're a fundamentalist. We already established. I know. That. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, because a gray issue, I think, uh, implies. Uh, well, you know, it kind of doesn't matter uh, to me. Maybe that doesn't imply that to others, but it, it implies that to me, where if we are consistently applying the principles of Scripture for each individual person, I think most issues are either black or white according to their own conscience and according to how they apply the biblical principles. Um, now, one th- it's, it's possible that one thing could be white for one person and black for another. And yeah, that's why people I don't want to know. call it gray. I mean, and, and we can explore this more in the next episode as we talk about specific examples. But there are things that I I don't know. I mean, I don't know how often I say that in ministry. It's like, oh, boy, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at the list of examples that I have on the, the chart here. And yeah, there are some of these where it's like I can hear a totally legitimate case on both sides of that. Um, but maybe that's because I'm just more loosey goosey. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not as mature. That's, that's what it is right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm, I, you know, yeah, I, and I could very well be coming from my fundamentalist side with all that too, where it's like, no, there is, there is right and wrong for everything, which, Yeah. <laughs> this is this, and if there is, isn't we're gonna make one <laughs> <laughs> that's why this column is is really difficult and i and i think it is hard for for us fundies man it is hard but yeah. it's why this uh it's important to recognize these principles and to seek to consistently apply them mm-hmm. or else we bind the consciences of others and that's where legalism begins to come in 
Yep. That's when people start acting like Pharisees and all sorts of stuff. So, yeah. Um, anyway, do you have any other thoughts for today? I don't think so. I'm excited to begin to talk about in the next episode about some of the particulars, uh, because I think that's probably what everyone is itching for at this point is they're listening like, come on, like, well, let's, let's get to some examples. Let's talk about mm-hmm. some stuff. And, and we're intentionally leaving that for another episode because that's going to take some time to work through those things. Yeah. Um, How long has this episode taken so far? Um, we are, we're coming up on half an hour, I think. Oh, wow. We went pretty yeah. fast. Yeah. It's actually not too bad. But okay, but yeah. we're just giving everybody a little bit of a taste. Yeah, and um, yeah, there's so much to discuss. I mean, we we were talking about before we started recording how this idea of first, second, third columns. I mean, it is such a big idea on one piece of paper, and the implications are vast and complex, and can be confusing and. Um, Boy, we just really want to, um, you know, kind of take our time and and bite off no more than we can chew because, you know, just today, what we talked about today, you, it's not a huge bite, but there's it takes plenty of time to chew that. So um, let's just chew on it for another week or so here, and uh, <laughs> we'll we'll continue the discussion uh, next time. Yeah. So absolutely, and yeah tip of the iceberg is all we've been getting at you know there's so much so much more that could be said but uh yeah yeah and uh, something you haven't been able to see is uh the shirt i'm wearing which if you're watching this on youtube you'll be able to see if you're on a podcast sorry but it's a trinity shirt i gotta take off my my flannel to be able to show my trinity shirt and i you know this isn't a sponsor so I need to make that clear. <laughs> but uh, let's see. And adjust my camera a little bit. This is a Trinity shirt. It says God in three persons, blessed Trinity. And it's got three triangles that are somehow all tied together. I don't understand the geometry on that. But um, that this shirt was actually made by someone we went to school with. Um, and he has started a little company with Christian shirts that are cool Christian shirts. It's called anchoroutfitters.org. That's our friend Tyler. Uh, they're in Baltimore. Oh, okay. Uh, and so anchoroutfitters.org. Awesome. Um, it's good to support good Christian businesses and good Christian art. So uh, check that out. The, he came, he did um, the music for one of our men's conferences here not that long ago. And I told him, bring some shirts and we'll have people buy some. And so I see these shirts in our congregation all the time, guys wearing them and it's been cool. So awesome. Yeah. Okay. Anything else that we need to discuss today, Kenny? Not as far as I am aware. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening to do theology here and uh, look forward to hearing from you. If you have any questions or thoughts on this stuff, because it is, this generates questions, doesn't it? So Mm -hmm. if, if you have thoughts or questions, please leave a comment on um, social media, on YouTube, whatever it may be. Um, Contact us directly, go to do theology.com and see how you can send us a message there. And we'd love to be able to tackle some of that in the upcoming episodes. Yep. Send us an email at uh, show at do theology.com. Yeah. That's probably the best way, isn't it? Show 
at dotheology.com. S-H-O-E? Shoe? <laughs> I think it's time to stop. <laughs> well, until next time, do theology. <laughs> God. <laughs>